0: Today's episode of the High hat Film Podcast is brought to you by the eccentric characters at Wonka's Chocolate Factory. There's no earthly way of knowing which direction we are going. There's no knowing where we're rowing, or which way the river's flowing. Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is a hurricane a-blowing? Not a speck of light is showing, so the danger must be growing. Are the fires of hell a-glowing? Is the grizzly reaper mowing? Yes, the dangers must be growing! For the rowers keep on rowing, and they're certainly not showing any signs that they are slowing. Wonka's Chocolate Factory, he really makes beautiful chocolate. to another bonus review episode of the Hi-Hat Film Podcast with me, Michael Clancy. This week I'm bringing you reviews of three films currently on release in UK cinemas. Up for examination this week are San Andreas featuring Mr. Franchise Viagra himself, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Lake Bell is looking for love in British rom-com Man Up, and I'll be looking at the pros and cons of Al Pacino crooning away in Danny Collins. First up for review is San Andreas, which is the new action disaster film from the most electrifying man in blockbuster cinema, Dwayne Johnson. Chief Gaines, you have over 600 documented rescues. That's pretty impressive. Harrison said you're taking off with Blake for a few days. Yeah, tomorrow I'm going to drive her back up to school. I can't believe she's in college already. I know. Hey, honey. Hi, Dad. Dad. Hi, everything okay? I wanted to tell you I was sorry for how I acted yesterday. No, Ray, really. No, Emma. Emma! Emma! chunk of land will be decimated are you saying the whole San Andrea's fault might go off everybody down yes that's exactly what I'm saying we are going now I been safe and warm. Stop it! We can't prepare for it. It will be a global event. Dwayne Johnson plays Ray, who is a helicopter pilot for California's emergency response team. So he basically flies around uh, saving the day all over the state of California. You also have uh, Paul Giamatti's character, who is an earthquake expert, who has successfully developed technology to allow him to predict earthquakes. He uh, uses that to detect that there is a a massive shift in the San Andreas vault, which is going to create a series of massive tremors across California, which is going to culminate in this big, massive eruption uh, in uh, San Francisco. So in the aftermath of numerous of these quakes, uh, our helicopter pilot Ray embarks on a mission to save his daughter, who is stranded in San Francisco. Uh, This is the latest in the long line of disaster films, which kind of started back in the 1970s with films like Airport and The Poseidon Adventure, The Towering Inferno, and uh, a film called Earthquake, which is, uh, Dwayne Johnson has uh, said, is uh, an an influence to this film. And uh, it's a genre that kind of saw a resurgence in the 1990s with films like Titanic, like Volcano, like Armageddon. So it's a genre of film that kind of bear a lot of the similar tropes, you know, that it features this large-scale disaster, and then it kind of focuses in on a small group of survivors revivals uh, with multiple different plot lines and it's about how they all band together in the aftermath of a tragedy and it usually has this uh, strong morality tale uh, that goes alongside it and while San Andres has a scale and visual effects that dwarf pretty much all the films that have come before in this genre. At its heart, it is just another big, loud, and, to be honest, pretty dumb addition to the genre. It's a film that aims to impress purely on a spectacle level and as this big spectacle, rather than actually trying to bring something new to the genre. So it's a film that's not content to sink a boat or burn down a building, but instead it's a film that wants to level an entire state, which has a population of 38 million, so the stakes are very, very high. And the film is a spectacle. It is very, very impressive. There is no denying that the visual effects in this film are something to behold. It does run the risk of overplaying its hand with that. I mean, it is a, it, it's a film that does get quite repetitive with your tremors and all the aftershocks. And, you know, it gets to the point where once you've seen one city be completely leveled by these... Uh, by these earthquakes I mean how are you going to build on that to the next one so there is kind of that repetitive nature to it and it's a film that perhaps does run out of steam towards the end and is perhaps even a little bit anticlimactic it kind of focuses more on that personal story that that uh of of Ray and uh, trying to reunite his family Despite it running out of steam, I have to say, bless them, bless the filmmakers for keeping this under two hours. Because, you know, for the time that it's on there, you know, it passes the time quite well, and it it comes and it goes. And but bless them for for not going into some sort of more epic scale thing. They've kept the the epicness of the film to the spectacle and to the visuals rather than in the runtime. So besides the visuals, there's ironically nothing earth-shattering about this film. It is very, very cheesy. It's a film where characters will turn to the camera and the music will swell and they'll deliver this this big line that's supposed to be very moving and very poignant. So it has all of that. The last two minutes are some of the most nauseating I have seen. You know, we talked about how a lot of disaster films are morality, morality films. That is a big problem with this because it goes over the top with that side of it. Um, but it, apart from that it generally is quite a watchable thing. I, I saw it in 3D, and I have to say the 3D is a problem. It does have the problem with the, the loss of light, uh, which is a common problem in 3D cinema, and it was very noticeable here, and it really doesn't add anything to the spectacle. So I would say if you are going to see it, try and catch the 2D screening. save your money, and don't pay out on getting the glasses for, for all the for that added gloss, which is completely unnecessary. So very cheesy, very dumb, doesn't add anything new, but... As a piece of uh, blockbuster cinema, uh, not a bad addition. What's that noise? up for review is Danny Collins, which is a new comedy drama starring Al Pacino, Annette Benning, Christopher Plummer, Bobby Cannavale, and Jennifer Garner. Here's a little bit of the trailer. Hello, Ellie. She knows holding girls in a front row. You can't choose your fans, Danny. Oh, no way! If you don't surprise a guy my age, you give me a heart attack! Do you remember doing an interview when you were a kid chime magazine you write like lennon man john lennon read it and he wrote you a letter in 1971 can you believe it dear danny collins stay true to yourself stay true to your music my phone number is below we can discuss this i'm a joke i haven't written a song in 30 years you're having a breakdown i'm broken ain't nothing left to break what would have happened if i got that letter when i was supposed to i want to cancel the rest of the tour i need a plane jersey oh welcome to the hilton look who it is i see so you're staying indefinitely here are you on drugs currently or in general currently nope Dinner? You're asking me to dinner? I think so. I'm going to have to decline. You're not a friend? Currently or in general? In general. No. But we have good patter. Why <laughs> New Jersey. I'm meeting someone for the first time. How do I look? Well, you you look slightly ridiculous. Nah. <laughs> See you soon. No, you won't. Albogino is Danny Collins, who's this ageing musician who kind of started off his career as this talented folk singer, but is now he's kind of known for his cheesy Sweet Caroline-like hits, which he regurgitates at his sellout shows to his ageing audience. Um, and, he, and he's quite... Disenfranchised by the career that he's carved out. On his birthday, his manager surprises him with an undelivered letter that John Lennon had wrote Danny 40 years ago, offering him career advice. Uh, this uh, letter causes Danny to reevaluate his life, so he breaks up with his younger fiancee, he moves into a hotel where he meets Annette Benning's character, who is the hotel manager, and starts to try and build a relationship with her. And uh, possibly most importantly, he attempts to reconcile with the son that he never knew. The film is based on something of a true story. It kind of opens with this disclaimer where this film is based on a true story, kind of. And it's, a, it's sort of loosely based on folk singer Steve Tilston, who really did get an undelivered letter from John Lennon with career advice and his phone numbers. And the film has been fairly well received by critics and audiences so far. And I have to say, I find that really, really surprising because I did not like the film at all. And it, it's not so much... That, Because it's a story that's been done before. I mean, we talked about unoriginality in terms of uh, San Andreas, but this uh, really kind of takes a cake. It's a film that doesn't give you any reason to care. And when it does make any attempts to to make you care about it, it fails pretty spectacularly. So it hits the nail on the head pretty early on in which... uh, Danny Collins sits down with his tour manager, played by Christopher Plummer, and Christopher Plummer tries to put everything in perspective for him, saying, you don't have problems. There are women in Africa who are struggling to feed their entire family. They have problems. You don't have problems. And... For me, that really hits the nail on the head because I just really don't care about Danny Collins' so-called problems. He's, he can be disenfranchised with his career, but the film doesn't really give you any real reason to feel bad for him. He's not a struggling musician. He's very, very successful. He's got a lot of money. He's very well loved. Everywhere he goes, people are apparently charmed by him. So I'm just not buying the fact that we have any reason to feel sympathy for this character. And to say that things aren't treated the way they should be I mean the the case in point are the scenes between Pacino and Benning, who are both tremendous actors I love them both Both love their work in the past and they're supposed to have this sharp playful banter and you just don't really buy it and I think it's down to the fact that the writing isn't strong enough but I also think Pacino isn't really pulling me pulling it off and convincing me that he he is this all lovable charming presence he's supposed to be a man with this irresistible charm but I found him to be uh, mostly annoying very grating so I I just don't buy Has this sympathetic, likable lead, and I don't care about his problems, which is at the heart of the film. Uh, they do have issues with his estranged son, which comes into it. His son has financial worries, he has concerns over his own health, and he has this little girl who's seemingly suffering from ADHD, and they talk about and they go off on these monologues about how hard it's been raising her and how difficult she is, but there's nothing on screen to suggest that she is anything like a handful. She gets a little bit hyperactive when her dad comes home from work, but he calms her down almost immediately. So it's just a little bit insulting to think, to use this as an issue and then not delve into it on screen. So, I got really frustrated about everyone talking about how serious everything is, but never really getting to see that on screen. I I liked everyone involved. I think everyone is doing a decent enough job, by and large. I think Bobby Cannavale probably comes away as the strongest performer, as um, Danny Collins' son. But it's a film that angered me more than anything, and I've heard people saying that they were delighted by it, they found it very charming, and for me I just found it very frustrating, very maddening. And I think the most telling thing about it is on the big, poster, the big bus advert for the film, it, it it says it has Al Pacino's name and it has Danny Collins and then it says underneath it, featuring the music of John Lennon because every now and again it does drop in songs from John Lennon and that seems to be the main selling point for the film and I have to say that is probably the points I enjoyed the most is when they did just drop in a little bit of uh, John Lennon in between the scenes but apart from that I found it a very, very frustrating experience Don't be mean to me I really had a bad day Yeah? yeah. Well, I had a bad day too. Yeah. Really? Can I buy you a drink? Babies, a, a wine spitzer, maybe even a one of them frozen. Josh, uh, give me tequila rocks something on and a splash of soda. Really, right boss. You're not the only rock star in this hotel. Apparently not. Oh. Really? So, oh. you had a bad day? Hmm. Why'd you have a bad day? Okay. I work with a bunch of well-meaning, thank you, but remarkably dim 20-somethings who are just passing time until they go back to college. And one of them screwed up the computer system, and it took me half the day to reprogram every reservation manually. Mm. Ah. What about you? I track down my grown son, who I never met before. And I met him, his wife, my granddaughter. And then he told me, quite emphatically, to and to die. Well, it was every reservation. All right, our final film up for review today is Man Up, which is a British rom-com starring Lake Bell and Simon Pegg. Gonna get into the review in just a moment, but first, here's a bit of the trailer. You can do this. Hi, I'm Nancy. This year, you're gonna put yourself out there, take chances, be more it engage with life. Hey, oh my god. You shouldn't really think about reading this. I would lend you Michael copy, but I need it for my date. It's how we're going to recognise each other. Ooh, it's a satire. <laughs> Mail may always work. Well. I just think you should read it. It was an international bestseller. So is The Da Vinci Code. Oh, another excellent book. Not, not an excellent book. We are now oh. Jessica! Right, I'm not that late, am I? Uh, what do we do in terms of saying hello? Oh, let's just go in. Oh, too soon for that. Nope. Mm-hmm. Hello there. Uh, so, book, check, and blind date, check. What are you waiting for? I am waiting for you. <laughs> so, you're a triathlete. Mm-hmm. Just got a regular carb up. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely want kids. I'm not like freaking out about it yet. Why would you? You're 24. I'm having a really good time. I'm gonna go get a drink. Wanted? Yeah who's nancy i've got a confession to make i'm not really a blind age Jack. what are you even 24 oh, at another 10 i was just merely trying to meet my mates in the modern when world when were you thinking of actually telling me about this bizarre decision uh, i mean i think people have done worse things in the world but... i'm racking my brains lake bell is nancy who is this 30 something looking for mr right she's uh, very socially awkward as it's established from the beginning which makes it a problem for just socializing with people in general and meeting new people. Um, On a train to London she meets a woman who's on her way to meet a blind date and she's using this uh, self-help book so she'll recognize him once she gets there. They get to London and uh, Nancy discovers that the woman has left the book behind so she tries to return it to her but before she can she meets Simon Pegg's Jack who is, of course, this blind date character and who mistakens her for the date. Uh, in the spirit of taking chances, Nancy pretends to be his date. Uh, they seemingly hit it off, but it isn't long until she's found out. And that is when the sparks really begin to fly. So lack of originality seems to be the key theme of the film being reviewed this week. And just a basic understanding of the romantic comedy genre will be a, enough for you to be able to figure out where Man Up is going pretty much from start to finish. It mixes a lot of the classic tropes of mistaken identity, some crass humour, the inevitable mad dash at the end. And it's a film that really doesn't have an original bone in its body. It's a film that if it does work, it's a film that works Almost entirely on the charm of its two lead characters. And it is a shrewd decision casting uh, Lake Bell and Simon Pegg in there. They're two of the most deadpan, probably two of the most likeable comedic performers going at the moment. Uh, Bell is suitably awkward, uh, particularly in the open moments of the film, and actually in a brief serious moment gets to show just how lacking in confidence her character is. And if the film does anything original, it kind of shows, it kind of picks on just how um, distressing these new social situations can be for people who are getting a little bit older in years and the world is changing around them. Simon Pegg isn't pushing himself even remotely I mean it's the kind of role that he can do in his sleep but that being said he is still perfectly watchable so it's predictable and at times it's pretty rough around the edges it does have to rely on a couple of uh, stinking big clanking plot contrivances. And the way it tries to shoehorn in the film's title, this man up uh, as a concept into the narrow- narrative, really didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. So it, it's really the ultimate kind of turn your brain off kind of film. If you stop to think about what is going on, it really doesn't hold up for a second. But it does just about scrape across the finishing line and that is almost completely thanks to Lake Bell and Simon Pegg in fact probably mainly Lake Bell who's popped up in quite a few comedies that I've liked in recent years and th- this this one again as I say there's not an awful lot to it but it's perfectly likeable and it's mostly due to the strength of its two leads so that is Man Up and that is in cinemas now as well. I think you're overacting a bit. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. How would you feel, Nancy, if you've been set up to go on a date with someone who's supposed to be absolutely perfect for you and then some psycho pretends to be S- them instead? Setups never work. Look, and Tom keep... said we matched. The she reads self-help books at the oh, Da Vinci yeah. Code. She works in the city. I was that even me? It I mean, me- when people say that, what does that mean? It means that she is a high flying 24 okay. year old businesswoman. 24. Who- you love that part. It's like your favourite. Oh, well, isn't that just the classic response of the lonely 34 year old woman desperate for someone to put her eggs? least I mean, I'm at my sexual peak. is all down yeah. for you, isn't it, Hefner? Not, not Who's there? Whoa, oh, Viagra. Wow. You know what? The bitter look really suits you. Really, it really, really doesn't surprise just me that Pete slept around, you know? Well, hang on a sec. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is no Pete. And there is no wife, is there? Because no. she left you. Yes. And here's your theory. You think, um, I'm so wounded and rejected. Oh, please help me, younger woman. Who's nearly half my age? This, is, was this is coming from someone who had to steal someone else's date to even get one. Uh, at least I'm not walking around like a bloody catch of the century. I, oh, look got at me with my own flat we and have my online it. marketing management job. But What I really want to do, what I really want to do is paint. I am gonna it's paint. Paying, okay. I'm sure you're gonna paint. Thank you very much. Paint. It was absolutely what lovely not pay? getting to know you, We're and congratulations on your massive pack of lies. Thank you. That's going to do it for this week's edition of the Hi-Hat Film Podcast. Our next episode should be available in about a week's time. Nick Murray is going to be with me as we run down our top five time travel movies, so I hope you can join us for that. If you'd like to be on the show submitting a film for the Hi-Hat Hall of Fame, then send us an email at hihatfilmreview at gmail.com. All of our old episodes are available... To subscribe and to download over on iTunes, so please do that. If you want to help the show and expose us to a wider audience, the best way to do that is to leave a nice rating and review over on iTunes as well. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Hi Hat Film Pod, and if you want to give me a sneaky little follow, it's at Clancy Hi Hat. And you can join in the fun and games over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Review. That's all for me. I'll leave you with the final words of Bruce Campbell's Elvis in Bubba Ho Tep. Thank you. Thank you very much. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. Give me my 20,000 in cash. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. I think you woke up to death with that flash. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. I think fast, I talk fast. Sorry about that. All right, Meow. Hand over your license and registration. Your registration? Hurry up, Meow. Sorry. Is there something funny here, boy? No, no, no. Well, then why are you laughing, Mr. Larry Johnson? All right, Meow, where were we? I'm sorry, are you saying Meow? Am I saying meow? I I, th- I thought. Don't think, boy. Meow. Do you know how fast you were going? Meow. <sighs> what is so damn funny? I could have sworn you said meow. Do I look like a cat to you, boy? <laughs> Am I jumping around all limply, bimbly from tree to tree? No, no. <laughs> Am I drinking milk from a saucer? No. <laughs> well, do you see me eating mice? Now <laughs> <laughs> hey, you stop laughing right now. Meow, I'm gonna have to give you a ticket on this. But... No buts, meow. That's the law. Not so funny meow, is it? Mm -hmm. Meow!